Hello, and welcome to this Speed Listen installment of the Six Gun Justice Podcast. Speed Listens are occasional short podcast installments in support of our full-length Six Gun Justice episodes. I'm Richard Prosh, writing solo today, talking about... From first grade until fourth grade, I rode bus number eight into town every day to school and back home every night. At the time, I had no idea I was making memories that I'd write about someday. From my love for a lost girl, to the character of driver Les Lemke, to my habit of watching the time on my blue Timex watch every afternoon, and then leaping the cattle guard at the mouth of our lane to run as fast as my Converse tennis shoes would carry me to get in front of the TV in time for one of two of my favorite shows, Star Trek and The Rifleman. In those days, decades before social media, I got into my first pop culture flame war over the Rifleman on bus number eight. Typically, it was with some kid whose name I can't remember. The guy had seen me checking the time, asked why I was in such a hurry to get home. I told him, and before we could get round the next dusty trail, we got into it. The argument had to do with lead character Lucas McCain's gun, a tricked-out Winchester Model 1892. An anachronism, considering the show was set in the 1880s, a fact I had learned from my dad. The other kid said the gun wasn't a Winchester and that Lucas McCain had built the gun himself. We went round and round. Turns out we were both right, but more on that later. The show began with a pilot feature on CBS called The Sharpshooter on Dick Powell's Zane Gray Theater, March 7, 1958. Later that year, it was repeated in an edited form as the first episode of the series The Rifleman on ABC. Written by Sam Peckinpah, the episode featured guest star Dennis Hopper. What followed was a five-year run on ABC from September 1958 until April 1963. The Rifleman starred Chuck Connors as Lucas McCain, a widower cattleman homesteader in the fictional town of North Fork, New Mexico Territory. McCain was the first single parent on primetime TV, and his son Mark was portrayed by Johnny Crawford. Other regulars included Paul Fix as Town Marshal Micah Torrance, Joe Higgins as Blacksmith Nels Swenson, and Joan Taylor and Hope Summers as general store owners Millie Scott and Hattie Denton. McCain was a Union Civil War veteran. He came to the New Mexico Territory from Enid, Oklahoma following the death of his wife, Margaret, when his son was six years old. In my favorite episode, the season three two-parter, The Wyoming Story, a wooden plaque next to the McCain home states the ranch was rebuilt by Lucas McCain and his son Mark in August 1881. Of course, the title of the show refers to McCain's expert use of the Winchester 4440 Model 1892 rifle, customized to allow McCain to fire the rifle only by hand-pumping the lever, which had a set screw embedded to trip the weapon's trigger. And Connors is seen in the opening credits, demonstrating his prowess with the gun. I can remember running as fast as possible through the house in order to grab a soda and snack before the clock struck four, when Lucas McCain would saunter down the street, unloading 12 shots from that rifle in less than two seconds. Throughout the series, McCain is shown shooting the rifle ambidextrously, that is, with either hand, and it's clear that Connors, a former athlete, was a master of hand-eye coordination. In fact, one story has it that when Connors auditioned for the show, the director threw a rifle straight at him, and he snatched it from midair, landing himself the spot immediately. Created by Arnold Lavin and developed by Sam Pickenpaw, who later went to direct Western movies including The Wild Bunch, known for its violent revisionist take on the genre, The Rifleman follows the everyday life of McCain, his son, and the denizens of North Fork in a burgeoning West filled with danger. 
Unlike a lot of shows at the time, the teleplays presented on The Rifleman were rife with moral dilemmas and populated by people I recognized as inhabiting the world I lived in. That sense of realism and complex characterization is evident first and foremost in the show's main characters. Unlike the stereotypical Roy Rogers or Hopalong Cassidy-style character, McCain isn't always right and often has to own up to his mistakes. The Marshal is a recovering alcoholic. Mark is far too impetuous and trusting. The villains often live in a gray area where good and bad are only one wrong decision away. Unwilling to sugarcoat the facts of life for the show's producers at Four Star Productions, Peckinpah left the show early, going on to create a short-lived Western series starring Brian Keith called The Westerner. As a kid, it was this sense of gritty intensity that held my interest in the half-hour syndicated show when other primetime westerns of the day, including the full-color and hour-long Bonanza and Gunsmoke, left me bored to tears. Not only did the rifleman deal with philosophical issues of good and evil, but it proved that one solution to unraveling the Gordian knot often posed by such dilemmas is a solid family relationship. I was drawn to Lucas McCain's heroism, but I also saw myself in young Mark, who did his best to make his paw proud and worked hard to be psychologically visible in the eyes of the community. Add to this the fact that the short, powerful morality plays looked great. The program featured atmospheric lighting, unorthodox camera angles, and a brooding undertone credited mostly to Joseph H. Lewis, who directed 51 of the 168 episodes. Lewis is best known for the 1950 film noir classic Gun Crazy, and it shows in the use of his stark black and white set pieces. Kevin Joseph Aloysius Chuck Connors came to the show after a career in professional sports. He is one of only 13 athletes in the history of American professional sports to have played both Major League Baseball for the Chicago Cubs in 1951 and in the National Basketball Association for the Boston Celtics, 1947-48. through 48. Besides Lucas McCain, he's well-remembered for his portrayals of Bern Sanderson in Walt Disney's Old Yeller, and in feature films including The Big Country with Gregory Peck and Charlton Heston, Move Over Darling with Doris Day and James Garner, Soylent Green with Heston and Edward G. Robinson, and Support Your Local Gunfighter, again with Garner. After answering the casting call for The Rifleman and catching that rifle, Connors was offered the role. It turned out to be less than he was making doing freelance acting, so he turned it down. A few days later, the producers of The Rifleman took their kids to watch Old Yeller, in which Connors played a strong father figure. After the producers saw the movie, they decided they should cast Connors in the role of Lucas McCain and make him a better offer, including a 5% ownership of the show. Meanwhile, Johnny Crawford was a relative unknown in 1957, having appeared as a mouseketeer on the Mickey Mouse Club, but little else. The Rifleman role would launch the 12-year-old star and put him on a course to becoming a minor teen heartthrob and, in 1992, leader of the Johnny Crawford Orchestra. Of his relationship with Connors, Wikipedia quotes Crawford as saying, I was very fond of Chuck, and we were very good friends right from the start. I admired him tremendously. I was a big baseball fan when we started the show, and when I found out that Chuck had been a professional baseball player, I was especially in awe. I would bring my baseball and a bat and a couple of gloves whenever we went on location, and at lunchtime, I would get a baseball game going, hoping that Chuck would join us. And he did. But after he came to bat, we would always have trouble finding the ball. It would be out in the brush somewhere or in a ravine, and that would about end the game. Crawford stayed in touch with Connors until his death in 1992. Quote, We remained friends throughout the rest of his life. He was always interested in what I was doing and ready with advice and anxious to help in any way that he could. He was a great guy, a lot of fun, great sense of humor, bigger than life, and he absolutely loved people. 
He was very gregarious and friendly, and not at all bashful. I learned a great deal from him about acting, and he was a tremendous influence on me. He was just my hero. But let's talk about that rifle, arguably the third star of the show. Regarding my argument on the bus, who was right, me or the other kid? The Rifleman's 4440 caliber gun was designed along the same lines as John Wayne's movie Winchester with the large lever loop. The difference was that set screw in the frame. Connors flipped the rifle forward to eject the spent case and load a fresh cartridge on the upswing. The breech closed, cocking the action. As the carbon returned to the firing position, the set screw pressed the trigger, firing the rifle. Connors was a big man, and the gun often looked small in his hands, even though he used the full 20-inch barrel, while Wayne's rifle had been cut down to 14 inches and the forearm trimmed to match. Gunsmith James S. Stembridge modified two Model 1892 guns for the series. Also, a Spanish-made El Tigre lever-action copy was modified for use as a stunt or knockabout gun to be used as a club or when the action calls for the rifle to fall into the dirt or water. A Guns magazine article in the 1960s by Rod Redwing, gun coach to the stars, said Connors trained with the rifle and was as good off-camera with live ammunition as he was on stage with blanks. A few years back, one of the rifles, owned by Jeff Connors, Chuck's son, was auctioned off and was expected to earn between forty dollars and $60,000. So in real-world terms, I was right. The rifle used on the show is a modified Winchester. But what about within the context of the show? Set in the 1880s, it's obvious the gun can't be a Model 1892. Where did the kid get the idea that Lucas McCain built his gun? I can't go back in time and ask him, but I've got a pretty good idea. After Roy Rogers, Gene Autry, and Hopalong Cassidy showed them the way to merchandise spinoffs, most Western TV shows of the era engaged in some sort of brand licensing. The Rifleman was no exception. Hubley produced a cap gun rifle, Marks manufactured a branch playset, naturally there was a lunchbox and even a board game. When Whitman Publishing wanted to release an authorized TV edition tie-in novel, they turned to stalwart writer Cole Fannin, who would pen several books for the company, including Rin Tin Tin, Leave it to Beaver, and several Roy Rogers and Gene Autry entries. Fannin's novel is a bit less gritty than the TV series, but manages to capture the spirit of the show, especially the relationship between Lucas and Mark, as well as the not-so-easy course of family life, as exemplified by the appearance of Lucas' brother-in-law, an outlaw named Trav Benteen. It's in this novel that Fannin has Benteen ask Lucas, What kind of rifle is that? Thought it might be a Winchester at first, but I see now that it isn't. Winchester-type barrel, Lucas said. I made most of the gun, barrel, stock, trigger, and ejector action. You always were right clever at working metal, and leather and wood too, Benteen said. Lucas, I know places where you could earn a couple of hundred a month and more with that rifle. Are you interested? You know what I think about hired guns, Lucas said. I'll never hire mine out. Whether or not fans of the series consider Fannin's origin of the rifle to be canon, that last sentence surely is. Despite the carnage he produced in nearly every episode, McCain's gun was always used in the line of defense. On the website RiflemanConnors.com, there's a casualty list from the show, and a fan estimates 245 killings in the 168 episodes. That's an average of 1.46 per episode, with Lucas responsible for about half of the mayhem. The most blood-drenched episode was The Raid, with seven, with The Retired Gun and A Time for Singing, both scoring six. I mentioned the Whitman book, and I'd be remiss if I didn't also touch briefly on the Dell comic book series. 
Dell launched many a series with their four-color comics title, and The Rifleman debuted in number 1009, July-September 1959. It sold well, and Dell began their Rifleman series with number two, January-March 1960. Illustrator Warren Tufts was tapped to provide artwork. Tufts was a Dell workhorse, providing panels for Day 11's Tales of the Texas Rangers, Wagon Train, Zorro, and others. He also created the successful Western comic strip Casey Ruggles that ran from 1949 to 1954. Famed comic artist Alex Toth also chipped in for a few stories before the title moved to Gold Key with issue 13 through the final 20. That last issue was published in October 1964, more than a full year after the show went off the air. After The Rifleman, Connors went on to a successful career as a character actor and Crawford dedicated himself to music. Paul Fix, who was already a familiar face on TV and movies, even crossed over to my other favorite afternoon show when he played Dr. Mark Piper in the second pilot episode of Star Trek. Connors and Crawford reprised their roles as Lucas and Mark McCain in the 1991 made-for-TV movie The Gambler Returns, The Luck of the Draw, which features a number of 50s and 60s Western TV icons. A heavy smoker, Connors passed away in 1992 from lung cancer. Johnny Crawford was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease in 2019 and lives at home with his wife, Charlotte. You can contribute to the Johnny Crawford Alzheimer's Fund at www.gofundme.com. Just type Johnny Crawford's Alzheimer's Fund into the search. To this day, I can't watch an episode of The Rifleman without that feeling of exhilaration I used to have pulling in after a hard day at school where the walls closed in and the desks were like shackles on more than just my arms and legs, but also on my imagination. The Rifleman freed me to run and jump, inspired me to learn to shoot, and influenced my values and ethics forever. That's why I'll give it the edge even over Star Trek as my favorite TV show of all time. Thanks for listening to this exclusive Speed Listen installment of the Six Gun Justice podcast. Remember to check out the Six Gun Justice website at www.sixgunjustice.com for regularly updated reviews, articles, and interviews from the best of the Western wordslingers. You can follow the Six Gun Justice podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Till next time, be kind to one another, be kind to yourself. Keep your cattle watered and your powder dry. Adios!